1 Kings 19, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. This is setting the stage of what took place last week. The rain took place, and Ahab runs to Jezreel and uh, to talk to uh, Jezebel. And when he gets down there to Jezebel, he begins to tell what took place. And that's where we're going to jump right in. The rain has happened. Mount Carmel has taken place. The the 450 prophets of Baal have been destroyed. They come down uh, to run to uh, Jezreel. And uh, Ahab is running back to tell the bad news to Jezebel. And uh, something happens to Elijah. He falls into what I would say a discouragement. Uh, this takes place because of what Jezebel does to him. So we'll talk about three simple points today. Uh, just the warrant, the warrant for the arrest of Elijah. Uh, Jezebel, after she hears the news, she gets a warrant for his arrest to kill him, get rid of him. So let's begin reading in verse number one, if you will. First uh, Kings chapter 19, verse one. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And with all, how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not the life as the life of one of them. By tomorrow, about this time, get rid of Elijah. I don't know the price on his head. I'm not exactly for sure how much she put on there, but she said, give me Elijah. Do what he did to those people. Uh, You look in verse number one. I want you to just think about this for just a moment, and we'll continue to read, but just just as you've read verse number one, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. I don't think that's true. There is no way that Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, because what did Elijah do? Elijah called what what happened on Mount Carmel? What happened on the top of Mount Carmel? Uh, Baal didn't show up. Baal didn't do anything. Baal didn't make the fire fall from heaven. He did not tell Jezebel all that Elijah had done. He told uh, Jezebel what he wanted Jezebel to hear. He told her, oh, Elijah, Elijah killed him. He, He killed our prophets. He, he, he killed them, and he didn't tell her that the reason he killed her, killed the prophets, was because he proved that God was real, and Baal was on a, on a journey somewhere. He didn't tell him that. He didn't tell Jezebel that. But she, he lied to her to manipulate so that he would, or that Jezebel would go after Elijah. And it worked. And it did work. Jezebel says, get him, get him. So first of all, we see the persecution that takes place against Elijah. So the persecution of Elijah go to him. So we see and the instigator of this. Who was the instigator? That was Ahab. Ahab lied to her. Ahab didn't tell her the whole truth. Because if, she, if he would have told her the full truth, what took place on top of Mount Carmel? We talked a little bit about this last week, that the hardness of heart or his, his uh, fleshly desires, that, that he couldn't even think about God's goodness for any amount of time. 
So he came off of the mountain after he saw what God did and saw that God brought fire down from heaven. And he came down off the mountain and he says, Hey, Jezebel, Jezebel, he killed our prophets. She didn't tell her. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm assuming that this took place or maybe this is just Trenton's opinion. I don't know for sure exactly what all was said, but I can't even begin to imagine that he stood before Jezebel and said, well, what happened was is our Baal prophets put up a, put up a, a lot of wood and they begin to cut themselves and they begin to throw themselves on the altar asking, asking Baal to bring fire from heaven. And there Baal didn't after hours and hours and hours and hours of them laying out on the, on the altar. The fire didn't fall, Jezebel. And there came Elijah and he said, he said, bring me some water. He said, put some water on the on the wood. Bring me some more. Get some more water on this wood. And then he said, and the fire fell from heaven. And it licked up the water. He didn't tell that story. Because had he told that story, I don't know that Jezebel would have said, well, let's kill him. Because he lied. He was an instigator. He hated Elijah. He hated him. Not only did he hate Elijah, but he had a hardness of heart towards Elijah, towards God. How, and I've seen it happen, how in the world could you see God do something so miraculous and come away from it? He killed our men. I mean, come on, could you have done anything else? No, his first thought was he killed our men. Yeah. It was not about the fire. And it wasn't about the water that got licked up. And look, it wasn't even about the rain that fell from the sky. Because it had been three and a half years since it rained. Who caused that? And Elijah said, hey God, would you bring the rain? And God brought the rain. But did Ahab go tell Jezebel about that? His hardness of heart. You look in the book of Exodus. There was a, a Pharaoh during the time of Moses. Moses went in, tried to get the children of Israel to get out. And the Bible says that Pharaoh hardened his heart. And then later, in the next chapter or two, the Bible says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Yeah. But the initial hardening was from him. But too many times Christians will harden their hearts to the things of God. And it takes a mountain and it takes a trial and it takes a death and it takes something tragic to take place before they even wake up that God is real. As Christians, he was lost. But still, we allow ourselves, we allow ourselves to get hard towards God. There was Ahab. The persecution against him. The persecution came to Elijah. But the instigator was Ahab. Turning against God. Turning. Look, you just stay right there where you're at if you want to write this down on your paper. Uh, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter number 1 and verse number sixteen or 28. The Bible says, and even as they did not like to retain God, 
in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to those things which are not convenient. God tried to work on their heart. God tried to draw them to him. But they drew away from God and they pushed away from God and God turned them over to a reprobate mind. Ahab had his chance to do right. Ahab had his chance to be right and would not. He had, he hated God. Now let's look at Jezebel, the, the inflictor of this. She inflicted the persecution. Did she have to do what Ahab told her? Did she have to go what, what Ahab? No, Jezebel made her own decision that in verse number two, she said, then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. He said, get, she said, get rid of him. Get rid of him. Gave him 24 hours. Here's the warrant for his arrest. Warrant. The warrant came. The persecution of Elijah came from Jezebel. Came from Jezebel. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter number 29, verse number 27, the Bible says an unjust man is an abomination to the just, and he that is upright in, his, in the way is an abomination to the wicked. You know, you know the wicked don't like the righteous? You, you realize that, that, that down throughout history and down throughout time, the wicked hate the righteous people? The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse number 12, the Bible says, Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Do you know what took place? It wasn't anything that was out of the ordinary. It was the wicked hating on the righteous. Elijah was a righteous man. Elijah was a righteous preacher. Elijah was a righteous prophet. And Jezebel cast her persecution upon Elijah. She was going to kill him. I want him dead. There are times in your life, Christian, you will face persecution. Like it or not, you will face persecution. And if you live godly, you will face persecution. What happens if you don't live godly? You won't face persecution. <laughs> huh? Anybody have any thoughts, questions regarding this point? We're getting ready to move on to point number two. But anybody have any questions about the persecution? Uh, Ahab, Jezebel, something? It is true. I think on the on the scale of an adult it is, but on the scale of a teenager it's at school. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, you know, teenagers stand up for God; they're going to be blackballed. Oh yeah. What is you? What's wrong with you? Why don't you just go along with the crowd? Why don't you just do what everybody else is doing? I remember when Stacy was in high school, she wanted to do a Bible club, 
and uh, she met resistance after resistance after resistance in the Bible club. She wanted to do Bible club before church, before school, two days, two days, two days a week, three days a week, and uh, she needed a teacher sponsor. And, and she had teachers that, that uh, blackballed her. She had teachers that did not want her to do it. And so they, they, they caused her all kinds of opposition. And, uh, and then the Lord saw fit. She had Bible club. And uh, God saw, saw it through. But still there's persecution that comes to us Christians uh, at, at work, at school, uh, even family. I, I, I know that there are family members who blackball them just simply because they're Christians. Well, you go to church on Sunday. No, what's wrong with you? Uh, whatever it is. Uh, I mean, seriously, it, it's true. But if you're going to live godly in this world, you will suffer persecution. Guaranteed. If you don't like that, then don't live godly. You say, okay. Well. <laughs> then you as a Christian will suffer the consequences for it. But you know, if, you, if you go along with them, how can you be a witness to them? You cannot be a witness to them. That's right. You know... <clears throat> For you to be a witness to a to a lost person, to somebody that you work with, you they you gotta have something that they don't. They don't want the same thing you have. If you live a certain type of life and they can see you living that type of life and they can identify, hey, there's something different about this guy, then they'll say, hey, I want what you have. But if you're just like the rest of them and if you just go along with all them and go along with the flow, they they ain't going to recognize that you're a Christian. They're not even going to care. Now, man, come on. And that, honestly, to be honest with you, Christians that go along with the flow hurt the Christians that don't go along with the flow. Because here's the deal, is here I am trying to stand right and be right and do right, and I'm going against the flow, and i got other Christians going, what's wrong with this guy? He's weird. I mean, look at me. I I do the same. Look, that's exactly what's taking place today. (laughs) That's exactly... It's not what was going on here. This was a lost person attacking the saved. But the persecution came. But now, let's look at number two. You know, or before I move on, anybody have any thoughts? Anybody else? Go ahead. I'm going to take just a minute, please. But one Wednesday night, I was doing the, uh, the, uh, the, the lesson. The lesson and everything on Wednesday night. Talking about this. <laughs> About being, uh, you know, different, and one this one person said, "Well, I go to beer joint to test to testify for the Lord." <laughs> well, might be hard to testify. I said, "How can you? How can you give a testimony? You do the same thing you you do." Right. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. You know. And you go because you want to go. That's, That's right. right. That's right. That's right. It's true. You know, you didn't like that very much. <laughs> and yeah. That was my fault. Yeah. You know? Right. Right. And I wasn't trying to judge him. I just. Of course. What he was saying is, uh, he went there because he wanted to go. Yeah. But he used that as an excuse to go in to, to be a witness. Well, anybody who does wrong, it's a Christian, 
they will find some way to justify what they do. Whether it's biblical or, or take a verse out of scripture out of context that doesn't mean what it says and says, well, this is what it means. If they want to live a certain life, they're going to make it say what they want. So, now, we're back here at the story. I want you to put yourself where Elijah's at, okay? Did you just have one of the greatest victories ever known to man? Fire Did not fire fall from heaven that day? Yes. Did not you just see the, the wood burn up and the and the and the water licked up? Did you not see that you, you prayed to God and God sent rain? Did you did you see that? Did you see that you ran to Jezreel in the amount of time that it took uh, Ahab to ride a ride a chariot to Jezreel and you beat him there or you was there before Ahab was there? Did you not see what took place? Now I ask you. What is your reaction when Jezebel comes across with this? Because Elijah's, Elijah's emotions, Elijah's, uh, his reaction was discouragement. He got discouraged. He got upset. He didn't know what to do with himself. Let's, let's read in verse number three. <coughs> And when he saw that, who's that? Who, <clears throat> this is Elijah. And when he saw that, he rose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die. And said, is it, is it enough now, O Lord? Take away my life, for I, I am not better than, thy fa- than my father's. I'm kind of surprised that this took place. Am I not the only one here, as we look at this scripture, that, that's kind of surprised that he runs and hides? This is, this is weird to me that he, he gets discouraged all of a sudden. At the beginning of chapter 18, did he not stand and look Ahab in the face? And he said, but, if you don't, because of your sin, because your wrongdoing, God's shutting off the rain. And then he goes to, then he goes to, the, the, to the brook chairs and God feeds him. Then he goes to the widow and God feeds him. And then he goes to the mountain and he brings fire from heaven. And then he goes down the mountain and he sees rain. And then all of a sudden... He's discouraged. I'm surprised that he would be discouraged. Look, do you know how far away Beersheba is from Jezreel? 100 miles. 100 miles. Not only that, but it wasn't even in the same kingdom. He ran to the southern kingdom. Away from Ahab and away from Jezebel because he knew that they had no jurisdiction in the southern kingdom. And not only that, he got to Beersheba, he got to where he was, and then he said, hey bud, you stay behind, I'm going to the wilderness by myself. He was so discouraged and so down and out, he didn't know what else to do. He ran and sat underneath a juniper tree and asked God to kill him. 
this takes place. One is fatigue. Is fatigue. He was at Mount Carmel. He was there all day. He didn't eat. He didn't have lunch. He didn't have, you say, how do you know that? Because King a, or Ahab, <coughs> after the meeting at Mount Carmel, do you know what Ahab wanted? He wanted to eat. He asked, he asked Elijah, I need something to eat, man. Give me something to eat. I need something to eat. Elijah hadn't had anything to eat. He was tired. He was wore out. And guess what he did after that? He ran to Jezreel, which was about 15 to 20 miles from Mount Carmel. I don't know about you, but after running 15 to 20 miles, I'm a little bit tired. I don't know. I've never ran 15 to 20 miles. But he was tired. He hadn't eaten. He ran 20 miles. He was tired, and he was wore out. He didn't know what he did. He was physically tired. And I'm going to tell you this. When you get physically tired, when you get physically wore out, then comes discouragement will smack you in the mouth. Here he was after the greatest victory that he ever had. Out of the fire falling from heaven. That's huge. But he was tired, and he got smacked with discouragement. Because when you are tired, you're weak and you're down. All of your senses are down. Everything is down. And as a Christian, if you wear yourself out and go, 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 and never give yourself any time for rest, you will get discouraged. You have to take time for rest. You have to take time for rest. <clears throat> but I think of I think of his fatigue, but then also I think that maybe even his pride was hurt a little bit. Maybe he felt I I, I feel like almost he, he he felt like he ought to go down there and Jezebel was going to bow to God and it was all going to be over. God won the war. We just won on top of Mount Carmel. We're going to win down here. Look in verse number four. But he said himself, he, but he, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. He asked for himself that he might die and said, is it, not, is it enough now, O Lord, take away my life? For I am not better than my father's. Hey, he thought that he was better than his father's. He thought that he was better than those who had gone on before him. His fleshly pride was hurt. Discouragement. He didn't, he didn't go like he thought it ought to go. His pride was hurt. He was tired. But then number three, I think the other thing was, is that he had the wrong vision. Look in verse number three. And when he saw that. Who's that? Jezebel. When he saw that. Who? The messenger? Where should have his eyes been on? Jesus Christ. But, but Elijah's not the only one that ever battled with discouragement. How about Jonah? Jonah battled with discouragement. Peter battled discouragement. John the Baptist battled discouragement. John the Baptist makes a statement in, in Matthew chapter number 11. And verse number 13, John the Baptist says, for, uh, 
Let's see here. Three, verse number three, I'm sorry. Uh, Matthew eleven three. he said, and he said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Are you Jesus, or should we look for somebody else? He got so discouraged. All these men of God dealt with discouragement. And look, <clears throat> I'm going to tell you this. I don't care who you are. I don't care how far you get. You're going to deal with discouragement. Because things aren't going to go always. They're not always going to go your way. Always like the things you you think they ought to go. But their old Elijah was sitting under a juniper tree asking God to take his life. Aren't you glad God didn't answer that prayer? God wasn't done with Elijah. God still had things for him to do. And you're going to face discouragement. It may not be today. You may, you may be battling discouragement right now. But it, look, depression and discouragement and all those things are real. But you have to approach it and keep your eyes on the Lord. Is the only way that you can overcome and go through those types of things. It is easy to be discouraged when you're looking at everybody else. Rather than looking at the Lord. Anybody have any thoughts? Questions? Well, preacher, I think Elijah was dealing with body emotions. Yes. You know, and, uh, and they, more, they told him they were going to kill him, you know, the next day and everything. And uh, like you say, he was hungry. Uh, he didn't keep his eyes on, on the Lord and everything. Right. And, uh, he was dealing with a lot of emotions. That's why he didn't might as well die. Yeah. Well, he had just, the, the highest of emotion that he could have ever had was, was conquering yeah. those Baal prophets. Yeah. I mean, he even told, he had so much power and, and so much emotion going on, he even told them to kill those guys. And they did. And they killed all 450 prophets. <laughs> he, I mean, just like that. Did exactly what Elijah said. The highest of emotion. And come down to it. That's why it's important not to base everything on emotions. I've had people tell me, oh, well, I don't feel safe. Look, honey, I, I don't always feel safe either, okay? But it's not about my emotions. It's not about how I feel. <clears throat> there are times, there's a lot of times, I don't even feel like coming to church. You? Yeah. But I know that this is the place where I need to be. And this is the place where I ought to be. And the place that will lift me up. And the place that will encourage me. And the place that will strengthen me. And the place that will help me be a better Christian. And there's a lot of things I wake up every day and have to force myself to do. Because I don't necessarily want to do them. You have to work through your discouragement. I, there is no, there's no snap of the fingers. There's no nothing like that that's just going to happen. But you have to work through your discouragement and depend on God for the strength to go through that. Anybody else? You know, without the strength of the Lord and everything, you can't do anything. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it on your own. That's right. That's an example right there. And that's the exact example. Because where did he go? Hey, but look, God wasn't done, okay? 
God wasn't done using him. God wasn't done performing miracles for Elijah because he knew that Elijah was down. Elijah was down and out. He was discouraged. He was at the bottom of his barrel. And God says, no, 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 no. We're not done yet, Elijah. We still have a work to do. Let's continue reading. Let's read what happens next. Look at verse, verse number 5. And as he lay... And slept under the juniper tree. Guess what happened? Then an angel touched him. Hey, touched him. And said unto him, Arise and eat. God knew that all that was going on, he hadn't been taking care of himself right. He said, Stop. Angel of the Lord came to him and touched him. He said, hey, get up and eat. And verse number six. And he looked and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals huh? and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and he drank and he laid down again. Look, the miracle, the, the, the protection of Elijah came because God knew he was discouraged. God His attitude. So he fed him once. Verse 7. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time. And touched him. And said arise and eat. Because the journey is too great for thee. What? What journey? Hey what, what journey are you talking about angel? Verse 8. And he arose and he did eat. And drink. Look, 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 look. What takes place? And went in the strength of that meat that God gave him. He wasn't a vegetarian. Hey, that meat that God gave him. Forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. So God knew he was discouraged. So he gave him a miracle of the food and the water. God knew that he was discouraged and he brought him a messenger of God. And who was that? That was the angel of God. And God knew that he was discouraged and he needed a message from the angel. And the angel fed him and the angel gave him water and the angel gave him this. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 and verse number 9, he says, God is Faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of the Son of Jesus Christ our Lord. Who is faithful? Look, I'm not always going to be faithful. Elijah wasn't always faithful. He got discouraged. He got down and out. But I'm going to tell you something. At the bottom of your barrel, at the bottom where you don't think you can go any lower, here then is God being faithful right where he's always been. And he gave him a message. He said, you got a day, you got a journey, 40 days and 40 nights. That's a long journey. <coughs> we want to get there today. Hmm? Let's, let's just fly there. Let's just cut and fly. No, there was no flights there. He couldn't catch the, uh, he couldn't catch the, 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 
My mind blank. I can't even think. He couldn't catch the bus. He couldn't catch the train. He couldn't catch the airplane. He couldn't catch the next taxi. He couldn't call him an Uber. He had to go with God and say, okay, I'm taking a 40-day journey. And the food you gave me was enough to go. And what did he like to do? He got up and he went. And he went. He was discouraged for a couple verses. But then he got up and did what God wanted him to do. He went to Horeb. And he goes to a cave. And we won't go there. We'll wait for next time. <laughs> You're looking at your paper. It's not on there yet. <laughs> And he hears a still, small voice. All right. Look, Christian, you're going to have days of discouragement. You're going to have days that aren't the best. Okay? But you have to work through them and depend on God, who is faithful. Read you one more scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. I want to make sure I got this right. Yes, verse number 13. The Bible says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Look, Christian, no matter what you're going through, it's been placed in your life. And God says, nothing that has been placed in your life is too hard for you to bear because God is faithful to help you go through what you are going through. Because look, <clears throat> I, have, I, I might be able to help give you encouraging words. But ultimately, God's the one that's going to give you the encouragement. God's the one that's going to help you go through the difficult times in your life, the discouraging times in your life, the depressing times in your life. But don't stay under the juniper tree. Look, Christian, if you're there now, don't stay under that juniper tree. God has, God has things planned for your life. Okay? Anybody have any thoughts? Anybody have any questions about this, about this story? If not, then we're done. Anybody? Okay.